Amen. Can we put our hands together? Let's give God a cheer today. Come on, somebody give God a praise. Hallelujah. You're amazing, God. You're amazing. Hallelujah. So good. So great. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Amen. How many can lift your hand up and say, I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm so thankful for the cross this morning. Hallelujah. And so that's why we worship. That's why we celebrate the way we do, because we love God. Amen. You may be seated today. We're so happy that you've uh, decided to come here today and worship with us. And so whoever you are, maybe you're watching online, you're here, but maybe you're new. We just wanted to say a great big God bless you and thank you so much for coming. Uh, We do have a few visitors uh, today simply because after the service we're going to be having a baptismal. Four people are going to be giving giving their lives afresh to the Lord in baptism and so being baptized. And uh, I'm so, so thankful because one of them, for the first time, made a commitment this week and a decision to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. And so, amen. We're excited about that and so thankful for that. How many know that's the greatest miracle? Amen. That's the greatest miracle. I remember being over in South Africa with a very, very powerful man of God. And I, I, I asked the really kind of the question I set myself up. I said, what's the greatest miracle you've ever seen in all the years of ministry you did? And he said, just seeing one soul saved is the greatest miracle. How many believe that's the greatest thing? You know, how many know if all heaven gets excited about it, Amen. I think that's pretty good. Amen. If you can get heaven on their feet, amen, you've done something pretty good. And so, I, just saying that loosely, of course, but uh, amen. We're so th- thankful for that and so excited today. And uh, again, thank you for being here today and, and uh, just joining us. And if you're online and you're not feeling well and you just decided to stay back today, we're praying for you. We, I mean, we love you. Our hearts are with you. We're right there with you. We know what's going on in your life. And so, we just wanted to say, man, God is touching you, your family. And I don't know about you, but how many can say that God has been answering some prayers and you've seen results of that. And so my wife and I have been praying for some people and talking about some situations and we're seeing God move in those things. And how many of that's exciting, amen, to see God move. And for those of you who are still praying about things and don't give up, don't give up. Just continue to pray, continue to believe God, continue just to say, God, I believe you no matter what I see, what I feel, what I hear around me, I believe that you're God and that you're a miracle-working God today. How many believe that? Amen? Two people. That's awesome. I love that. So two or three agree. The YouTube, me, boom, we're there. All right. Amen. So, um, But today, because we are having um, you know, baptismal service, I just felt it's so appropriate to just share on some foundations of faith, if that's okay. And uh, I could have went in another direction, but I just felt like we should uh, just kind of share on some foundations of faith. And uh, so if you'll turn with me to your, in your Bible or click on your device to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read the scripture and um, then I'll read another one. And I, I feel, um, just to say, one of the things if you'll, you'll see or on our site or you'll talk to us for any length of time, you'll know that one of our core values here is that we love and trust the Bible. We, we love the Word of God, but we trust the Bible. How many trust the Word of God? We trust the Bible. And so we're going to share a lot of it today. So I'm hoping you got your hands ready, your fingers are ready to go, click there and take some notes and, uh, or turn with me in some pages. I'm going to be reading out of the King James and we're going to have it on New King James just, uh, for, um, just the way we decided to do it today. So if you have other um, translations you love and you trust, you'll follow along with us and take some notes. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to start in verse 1. We're going to pray. 
Moreover, brethren, he's talking to the church here, and he says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you believed and where you stand. You stand on this. So we're talking about foundations today of faith. And he says, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory, if you remember what I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which is also received and also taught, how Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. How many believe in that statement right there? Amen. This is the entire scope of the Christian faith can be summed up right here, is that Jesus came to save sinners and give us eternal life. And that we're going to talk about the foundations of faith, but one of the things I've seen is that Jesus, and I've noticed is that Jesus has really put it in a nutshell, He's came to save us from sin and give us eternal life. How many are thankful for that today? Amen. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say, I'm so thankful for eternal life? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. I pray that as we go through these thoughts and from scripture, Lord, from your word, which we trust so much and we value so much, Lord, I pray that you're going to continue to uh, strengthen our hearts with the foundations of faith. And Lord, that which is built on, Lord, as, as, uh, as the uh, apostles taught, as what is built on Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for your word today. Bless it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So we see here the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the Bible says that we need to repent, be baptized, and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many believe that God wants to forgive us, heal us, and cleanse us? Amen. And give us a new life. That's what Jesus came. In Matthew chapter 3, I'm going to be taking a lot of the principles from this right here. But in Matthew chapter 3, um, I just want to read this real quick. I'm going to skip through just a few verses. I'm going to start in 1 and 2. We'll skip through. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping you'll keep up as much as the, the people in the computer will keep up. And uh, if not, we'll just kind of all get through it together. But in Matthew chapter 3, in, in verse 1, talking about John the Baptist, he was uh, baptizing in those days, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And uh, 5 and 6, verses 5 and 6 of Matthew chapter 3, he said, and then all these people came from Jerusalem and Judea because they heard about John the Baptist and what he's preaching. And the Bible says in verse 6, And they were all baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Then we see in verse 13, Jesus approached John and he said, I need to be baptized of you. John said, I, you should be baptizing me. And so in verse 15, Jesus said, Suffer it to be so. Right now, he said, now, thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John said, I will. And in verse 16, and then when Jesus, the Bible says, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending uh, on him like a dove and lighting upon him. And verse 17, a low voice from heaven speaking said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. One of the things we see is that the foundations of our faith is being baptized in water. And in the Old Testament, it refers to the water of purification, which is cleansing. It also refers to uh, it as the water of separation, which is deliverance. And then it also refers to the water of healing or forgiveness. I want to talk to you about the water of forgiveness today. And so one of the things we see as we read these scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15 and then in the life of Jesus, and as Jesus really began to preach the gospel and show us what the gospel was and what salvation was, 
and that what Jesus came to do was bring salvation. We see, and I like to separate into three kind of categories and how I can tell the story of the gospel, and that is, number one, the fall, number two, the rescue, and number three, the life. And so I like to think of it that way, is that it just happens that way. And so we see that, um, we, we, we see that Jesus came for a reason. He came, the Bible says, to save us from our sin. How many know that Jesus' name is salvation? Right? And so we want to say the name of Jesus or Yeshua, it is to save us from our sin. And one of the things we go back and we talk to people about the fall, we go all the way back because that's where it started. And we see that in the very beginning, we know that there was, uh, you know, a, a beautiful angel that lived in heaven, was created uh, eons ago, I guess was forever with God, and, and was lifted up in pride. His name was Lucifer, and he was lifted up in pride, and, he, and the Bible says he fell. You'll find this account in, in Isaiah 13 and, and in Ezekiel. But he fell from heaven, and one-third of the angels went with him. The Bible says that God created a place for them. It was called Hades or hell. He created a place for them to dwell for the rest of eternity. And so we see that God began to move on the face of the earth. He created man, right? And the Bible says he was in intimate relationship with man. And this is why he created us. So that we can worship him and know him. The Bible says he came in the cool of the day and talked to man. And, and, uh, but you know, one day the Bible says that it records that Satan came and he, he, he kind of disguised himself and he it brought temptation and deceived man. And the Bible says that man disobeyed God and this brought sin into the world. And so when sin came into the world through Adam and Eve, we see way from the way all the way in the beginning, that act of disobedience brought a brokenness to that eternal relationship with God. And one of the things that's important to understand and walk through this as we talk about, and we're getting into the uh, of water baptism, one of the things we want to keep in mind is that ever, ever since the very beginning, God loved us. Can anybody say amen? An intense love. A passionate love, an intimate love, that he would want to be with us, that he would come down from glory and walk with man, that he would want to talk with him and, and show him his will and show him his heart. How many know that's intimate, right? And so God never stopped loving us. How many believe that? God never stopped loving the human race. Even though they disobeyed, they fell from him, they did exactly the opposite of what he wanted, the Bible says he never stopped loving us. Is that correct? Amen? Let's keep that in mind. But as we talk about what happened in the fall, and we know that sin, and if you want to write this down, this is so important to remember about sin. Sin brings brokenness and impurity. Sin brought brokenness, so it separated man from God. It, it was an eternal separation. It was a legal separation. Did you know that? It was a legal separation. God considered it a legal separation, that they were separated from God. Uh, the Bible says that, you know, your prayers are hindered, that God can't hear you because your sin separates you from God. So sin brings brokenness and impurity. Because God was a holy God, He still is, a perfect God, an all-righteous God, we were separated from Him and we were separated from His nature. We took on the nature of an impure, unholy uh, creation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so we did that, and so that came on us. And so because of sin, we also stepped into this curse of sin, the curse of death, so that when you die, you will not be with God forever in heaven, in eternity or in glory. You will be in that place where Lucifer is, that place of disobedience, eternal separation from God. 
Sin brought that eternal judgment on man. It brought that judgment that we would face, that Lucifer faced. The Bible says that hell was only created for the devil and his angels. It was never created for man. Because from the very beginning, God intended for us to live forever with him. But because of sin and disobedience, that was the punishment that came. That was the nature of sin. It drew us from God, uh, completely separated us from God. Some of you say, well, I kind of know this. That's good. You're going to hear it again. Amen. This is great stuff. Amen. So God established some commandments and some things that would be pleasing to him until the, and, uh, that he would be appeased with man, that he could be acceptable until he brought the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus. And so we have the Ten Commandments, and that is God's standard of goodness. And as Paul said in, in the New Testament, he said it was, the, it, was the, it was the Ten Commandments that really brought me to the cross. It really revealed to me that I was a sinner. It revealed to me the sin that Adam and Eve had committed. And, and I began to identify that I am of that nature. And he said it was the Ten Commandments. And how many know they still deal with us about sin? Yes, they do. And so sin isn't just something you do. One of the things we've discovered is sin is who you are. It actually is your nature. It's something that not just you do, but it's who you are. It's, it becomes your nature. It's in your heart. That's what it means to be in your heart. How many of you know you can't live one way and believe another? What you believe is usually what you're gonna, the way you're going to live. And so it comes from your heart. And so how many know sin isn't just about passion, it's about priorities. That's why God said don't worship any other gods because that's about a priority. Treat other people better than you want to be treated yourself. That's about a priority. And so sin becomes about a priority. And so as we see this, we see in the book of Romans, it says in 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we receive that judgment, we receive that payment of our sin. Now what's, it's interesting to know, not, keep in mind, not only does God love us, and, and that love has never diminished, but one of the things we've got to understand is we did it. We did it to ourselves. Can anybody say amen? We, we sinned. We made the choices. We wrongfully indulged. We did those things. We're the ones. The Bible says also in Romans, for everyone sinned and come, has come short of the glory of God. Everyone. Everyone. We were born into this thing because we have the nature of Adam. We were born into sin, as the Bible says. And so I, I believe that for some, God's grace isn't that wonderful because sin isn't that terrible. How many know grace becomes sweet when sin becomes bitter? Is that right? And that's what Paul said. He said, I am filthy. I'm, I'm, Isaiah said, I'm just filthy. I, I, I'm undone. I'm unclean. And Lord, I, I need cleansing. I need to be forgiven. I need to come back to that eternal relationship with God who is holy and righteous and perfect and eternal. He said, how many know I need to be forgiven and I need to be cleansed? That's, that's, what, that's what happens. And so not only is there this fall in man, but we also see this because God never stopped loving us. God always thought about us. He, right from the very beginning, had a plan to rescue us. Amen. I love that. I'm so thankful for that. That's the solution that God came up with. Also in Romans, it says this in 5.8, that God could demonstrate His own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. How many can, every morning, you could thank God for that one? Amen. Lord, that while I was yet, I was still a sinner. And how many know as we sang that today, Brother Anthony shared, that's one of our heart's desires, that we would love other people the way Jesus loved us. How many know He loved us before we knew Him? Before we loved Him, before we knew Him, before we deserved anything? I mean, come on, He loved us. Is that right? 
In fact, we didn't deserve it. He gave it to us. And so I love that about the Lord. And so Jesus really died to pay for that penalty of our sins. And he came to rescue us and give us eternal life. And so the cross brought these two, th these two things. We could put it this way. That the cross brought cleansing and healing. How many know when we're sinners and there's a broken relationship, that needs to be mended? That's called healing. When we're impure, we need to be sanctified or cleansed. That's called cleansing. That's called wash. We need to be washed. We need to be cleansed. Amen. In order to be holy from an unholy state, we need to be washed so that we can be holy before God. And so the cross brought cleansing and, and healing. And you know, the cross was a bridge, wasn't it? It was a bridge between that divide between us and God as our sins separated us from God. How many are thankful that Jesus laid down on that cross and became a bridge for us? Amen. And he laid on that cross and became a bridge for us. Someone said this, that the cross is the gateway and the pathway to, to Jesus. Amen. And so I love that. And so salvation and forgiveness became available for everyone who put their trust in Jesus. Everyone who accepts him and receives the free gift that he gave on the cross. Amen. And so Jesus took our sin and he, he made us holy and righteous. Not our righteousness. Come on. Not our holiness. There's nothing about us that makes us good. Jesus is, is the goodness. Is that right? He's our righteousness. He's our holiness. Amen. And so uh, salvation, and we look at it, and we look at this big thing in, in this picture as I go through it, and I'm just going to break something down for you, is that salvation is not an experience. Salvation is a person. And so when you say, I want to be saved, you're saying, I'm receiving Jesus Christ. I'm putting my faith and trust in who He is, what He did, and what I did, come on, and what I need to do, I'm receiving Jesus Christ. And so salvation is not an experience, it is a person. Many people said, yeah, I did that, and it didn't work for me. How many know that's just an experience? But when you meet somebody like Jesus, who radically changes your life forever, by the way, amen, how many know you just don't simply kind of forget that? It's more of a, a, an experience, it is a relationship, and it is a person. And so that's what's so great about salvation. Amen. Is this all right today? Amen. <laughs> Amen. I hope it's not too simple for you. Because of sin, I need forgiveness. And so because of sin, I need cleanse. I I've got to get back into this eternal relationship with God. And there was only one way I could do it. God had to do it. Come on, how many know we couldn't do it? No man could do it. Uh, but it took a, a sacrifice of a human being. It was a life for a life. So God was God in the fact that he had to be God to do it, but he was also man in that he had to have the sacrifice of a human life for our life. And so that's what he did. And so because of that, amen, I received the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so I, how do I do that? I, I've, I've got to believe and I've got to receive what God has done through Jesus. How do I do that? How do I receive and I believe it? How do I receive it? And the Bible makes it clear that this is what I need to do. I need to repent and be baptized. In John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, it says, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Someone asked Jesus, said, how do I get born again? How, do I need to enter in my mother's womb a second time? Jesus said, no, you've got to be born of the water and you've got to be born of the Spirit. And the Bible says that except a man be born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus gave an example to us about being water baptized and how that it is necessary. Jesus said this in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 3 that we read. He said, he called it that we, he needs to fulfill all righteousness. But this is what he said. 
We need to do it right now because this is the right thing to do. I, I, I want to do, we must do all that is right. It should be done. We must carry out all that God requires to perform completely whatever is right. First John, when he wrote this, he said in 5 and 6, he said, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. Can you say amen? Right? This is Jesus. He came that way. And so the plan of that Jesus had to rescue us back from out of sin, back to this relationship, amen, had to do with us, amen, repenting of our sin, and being cleansed of our sin. Hallelujah. Because that's what the cross brought. Is cleansing and forgiveness and healing. Amen. And so how many know when you're impure you need to get clean. If you're broken you need to be healed. And so this is what the cross did. I'm so thankful for that today. And so the plan to rescue us really. To bring us back to that relationship. Was about cleansing. Saving, cleansing and filling us. That was God's plan for our lives. And this is the plan of God. So this is the third part. And then what I call the life. And that is our response, and that is our future, the life. And uh, in Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, after Jesus had resurrected from the dead, and he said, go tarry in Jerusalem, wait and pray. Uh, the promise of the Father is coming. The Holy Spirit, you're going to be endued with power to be my witnesses on the earth. And 40 days later, and the day of Pentecost came, and the Bible says after the Holy Ghost came, and it broke out, and I mean, it was amazing revival. It was just crazy. They've never seen anything like that. Peter got up and he began to preach. And one of the things that they said is, what, what must we do to be saved? Or What is this all about? How do we get saved? And he responded by this in Acts 2.38. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the removal of sin, remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many know what he preached in the book of Acts reflects what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 3? John came preaching repentance. We see it in Matthew chapter 3. They believed John's word and they were baptized confessing their sin. And when Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove and rested on him. This is, the, this is exactly what Peter was preaching. How many know Peter didn't preach something different than what Jesus preached? He didn't preach something different than what he saw. He preached exactly what he heard from Jesus and what he saw. He had the revelation of the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sin. Amen. Baptism is making a public confession of our faith. Yes, it is. And becoming a disciple of Jesus. I mean, that's just how simple it is. But let me break it down a little bit more. And so, you know, one of the things we, when we talk about uh, salvation and coming to Jesus and Christianity, many people stop right at believing in Jesus. But how many know it's more than just believing in Jesus? You have to live in Jesus. The Bible says that demons believe in Jesus. How many know the devil believes in God? Oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. And so he said that's not enough. You've got to believe in Jesus, but it's receiving. You've got to live in Jesus. One uh, evangelist put it this way. Uh, you know, he said if you're going to jump out of a plane, it's, it's, it's not just enough to believe in the parachute. You've got to put it on. Amen. You, you can be falling, free falling, you know, and, and holding on to the parachute. I believe in it. I believe in it. I believe in it. But until you put it on... Amen? It's not going to happen. And so it's not going to work. So the same thing. Just a picture. No doctrine. Right there. Okay. We, we learned about the doctrine of parachutes today. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. But so salvation is believing and receiving Jesus. That's how simple it is. It's responding 
and obeying. That's what it is to Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that doesn't believe shall be damned. Now, someone said way back in old, old teaching was, I'm not going back here, but, but you, you know, well, it's not baptism alone. You're not saved just by baptism. No, you're not. Just like you're not saved just by believing. How many know you've got to receive Jesus? You've got to trust in Jesus. You've got to repent from your sins. Is that right? Amen. The demons believe doesn't do them any good. Amen. And so, so it's not just believing, but it's and so it's just not in baptism. I mean, that's ridiculous for me to open up the the you know open up the street and then open up the water and say, hey, just get you know you get as long as you get wet, you get saved. There has to be the repenting of from us and the cleansing from us, come on, in order for us to be saved. That's what the Bible teaches. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So it's repentance and baptism. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Is this okay? All right. I'm preaching Christians, right? Okay. All right. If I was out in the street, I wouldn't ask for amens. So, you know, this is what we see. We see repenting. It's also called confession. So this is the first thing I just want to share with you and then finish it up. Confession. That is repenting and forsaking our sins. And we're going to turn a little bit and go through some scriptures here real quick. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, some of you haven't been in a church that's turned in their Bible for a while, but we're doing a little old school stuff here today. So in Romans chapter 10, this gives an actual picture, again, another one, of salvation. And so I love this because he's talking about how to evangelize and how to be a witness and how to get saved. And so he says this in verse 9 of Romans chapter 10. He said, so if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we see that there is a confession, there is a repenting, as, as Peter preached, that we confess our sins. So in, how many know you can't confess to something that you don't admit to? So you've got to admit and confess, I sin, I'm guilty, yes, that's me, I'm the sinner, I, I did that. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, no, someone trying to confess to something, they don't even know what, you know, they're not even, I don't even know. What, you just want me to come in and say I'm guilty? No, nah, I don't think so. But when you see the stack of, of violations against you in that courtroom, how many know you're not going to be like, well, uh, I'd be like the best thing to do is just say I'm guilty. What do you want me to say? They've got my fingerprints. They've got video. They've got my voice. They've got my text. They, they've got witnesses, right? And they even got someone who was drawing a picture of me doing it, Right? I mean, I'm guilty of this thing. And so the gospel has a way of it. They point to us and say that it, you're the one. You're the one that committed the sin. You're the one that made the choice. And so I say, when I repent and confess my sin, yes, I did that. I, I admit that I did that. That's what it is. How many know it's not enough just to say you're sorry? I believe 50% is saying you're sorry. 50% is showing you're sorry. You can say sorry all you want to in front of a judge, but how many know until you really show you're sorry and show that you're not doing that or that's not who you are, how many know there's a difference? And so there is a confession. It's not just saying a bunch of things that you did wrong, but it's saying, God, I'm that person. I'm forsaking my sin. I'm not just declaring my sin, but I'm going to forsake my sin. Amen. Notice what it says in the book of Acts. It says that God will... It, to repent and be baptized, every one of you, before the remission or the removal of sin. I'm going to get into that in a second. But So what is the evidence of repentance? What is that evidence that I have said I was sorry and that I am sorry? What is that evidence? How many know there's fruits of repentance? There's evidence. There, there's, you know, how many, 
You've said that to people. You've, you've yourself said that. Hey, I don't want to hear that you're sorry. Show me you're sorry, right? And when someone shows they're sorry, then you believe it. You say, wow, this is real. There's something to it. And so as the Bible teaches us, it's called the baptism of repentance. The baptism of repentance. That's what it's, that's what it's called. Mark 1, uh, uh, verse 5. As they were talking about John the Baptist, he said many people were all, they were baptized, again, confessing their sins. As they were being baptized, they're confessing their sins, turning away from their sin, because that was the message of John. And, and then John said that he came preaching the gospel or the message of repentance or the baptism of repentance. So water baptism is forsaking your sin. That's why in the Old Testament it refers to the water of separation. It's, it's repenting. It, this is coming back to God. It's, it's separating yourself from sin. In Colossians it teaches, and other places in the Bible it talks about the removal of sin or the cutting away. It, it gives a picture of circumcision of the heart, and, and that meant so much to the Jewish people. So Paul used that language. He understood what that meant. And so how many know that when we get bat water baptized, it's a cutting away of sin? The old life, the old nature, the old sinful desires. And so if your, your sins have separated you from God, then when you turn to God, amen, how many know you're, you're separate from sin? Amen. So if your sins initially separated you from God and they kept you from receiving the salvation from God, how many know when you get saved and born again that you separate yourself from sin? How many know there's a distance? How many know when you cross a bridge, you get on the other side? And so if there's a separation from God, you know, when before you're saved, after you're saved, there should be a separation from your sin, from the curse, right? The curse of death. And, and so now I'm separating myself, not just from sin, but I'm separating myself from the curse of sin and sickness and disease and eternal death. That the, the curse of eternal death is broken over my life when I go into the waters of baptism. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Before, I, before I'm buried with Christ in water, in water I, I, I'm, I'm, I face an eternal judgment. I face eternal death. There's no way I can get out of it. That's why Paul said, death, where is your sting? Where, where is your sting? It's no, there's no sting to the life of the believer, amen. Isn't that right? We conquered death, hell, and the grave through Jesus Christ, amen. And through water baptism. So the first thing we see is confession, then we, uh, repentance. We could say repentance, but then we see what the Bible calls remission. And that is the washing and the cleansing of our sin. And so baptism is repenting and receiving the blood of Jesus. Did you know that? Let me explain that. So the blood of Jesus was shed for the remission of sins, wasn't it? Amen? Yes, that's what it says. It's removal. That's what that word means. And so baptism receiving the blood of Jesus. When I'm baptized in water, I receive the shed blood of Jesus Christ. How many have ever sang those songs? You know, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Are you washed in the blood? We talked about the soul cleansing blood, the blood of the lamb and, and the blood of Jesus. Let me give you some scriptures in Matthew chapter 26 at the Last Supper. Jesus said, this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the removal of sins. First John 1 John 1.9 says that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's what the blood of Jesus does. In whom we have the redemption, Ephesians tells us. The redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. And then he goes on in chapter 2 and says that we were made nigh to God by the blood of Jesus. We came back into relationship because of the blood of Jesus, right? 
And in Hebrews, I love this one. Hebrews in 9.22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. There is no removal of sins without the shedding of blood. How many know Jesus had to shed his blood? Had to. He had to. And I believe that Jesus shed every ounce of his blood. Every ounce of it was poured out. Amen. How many know that Jesus shed his blood for us? Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Hallelujah. For our healing and our forgiveness. The blood of Jesus was shed. And so, you know, how are we washed in the, in blood, in the blood? How are we cleansed by the blood of Jesus? How do we receive the blood of Jesus? The Bible says in Acts again, Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission or removal of sins. Is that what it says? And again, we'll read it in Mark chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the removal of sins. And then people were baptized, the Bible says, in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Amen. Luke chapter 3, verse 3 says, John preached the baptism of repentance for the removal of sins. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, not our heads, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I mean, no, that's about baptism, isn't it? Amen. We, we cleaned this last week. I can't tell you it's going to be completely 100% clean, but it's close. All right. So, but it says that our bodies need to be washed with pure water. How many know everything God did in the Old Testament was a picture, and they had to wash with water before they could come into the, in the courts and before they come before God? They had to wash with water. Amen. How many know some of your kids need a little lesson on taking a bath, right? You had to teach your kid, this is how we walk. Well, this is a washing of our, the Bible says, with pure water. Amen. How many know your spirit gets born again, but your body needs to be washed? As a sign that I'm forsaking my sin, I'm being cleansed from my sin, I'm being separate from my sin, and I'm separating myself to God. Amen. How many know it gets better, too? It says this, that there is a death and there is a burial. So not only is there a repentance or confession, and, and, and then there is a, a remission, a removal of sin, but then there is a death and burial. In Romans chapter 6, I love this scripture. And uh, I was going to give some scriptures to the folks that were going to get baptized, but I'm going to do that now, so kind of combine that, okay? All right, so we'll do a little bit extra time here. So in Romans chapter 6, I love this, it, and, and this whole really 6, 7, and 8 are just amazing, opened my understanding to redemption. It was awesome. In Romans chapter 6, uh, it really talks about uh, what, God, what Jesus did for us and, and, and gave some principles. Then he goes into verse 3 and it says, Don't you know that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? And how, many, how did he die? He died on a cross and then he was buried in a tomb and that's part of the death. Therefore we were buried with him by baptism unto death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father so we also should walk in newness of life. So if you have been planted together in the likeness of his death we should also in the likeness of his live in the likeness of his resurrection. Right, Knowing this that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve Sin. Amen. And so we have been buried with Christ. That's what water baptism is. It is a symbol or picture that I am being identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. How many know when, when we're talking about burial, you're talking about a grave or a tomb. 
Jesus did not remain on the cross. He went into a tomb. How many know he was buried? Yes, he was. Salvation does not stop when Jesus died. Is that right? It said he died, he was buried, and he rose again. This is what we believe. This is the picture in 1 Corinthians 15. That Jesus rose from the grave. And so when we, when we baptize people, that's why we baptize people. Now, we could either do it forward, backwards. You can dip. I mean, that's whatever you want to do if the water's deep enough. And uh, Brother Michael and I were just talking about two years ago, uh, next month, uh, him and I baptized uh, Brother Jake, I mean, in the creek. It was freezing cold. And we were like, you're going under one way or the other, okay? We're going to get this through. We're going to get this. And, but how many know, and that's why we do it, because... I mean, no, when you're buried, they bury you on your back. You go in a tomb in a grave. You lay down, you go on your back. And that's a symbol and a picture of what Jesus did. Aren't you glad that Jesus was buried for us? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's so good. He died the death so we could live the life. Amen. And so he was buried for us. And so not to prolong this anymore, but baptism means to be fully wet, to submerge, to, to stain with the dye. How many know when you stain something, you dip it? That's what it means to overwhelm, to submerge. And so we we get that picture because Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Amen. And so when we're buried, we, we die to sin. We die to the curse. We die to the eternal judgment. We die to evil desires and the power of sin and death, the Bible says. We die to those things. Jesus gave us, again, an example in Matthew chapter 3. of He said the Bible says that when he came up out of the water... How many know if you're sprinkled, you don't come up out of the water, right? If you just poked in the face a little bit. No, he said he, come up, he came up out of the water, amen, because it's a picture of death and resurrection, amen. Burial and resurrection, you can turn me down a little bit. And so we see this with, in the book of Acts with Philip and the eunuch. The Bible says they went down in the water and came up out of the water. And so let me just say this about, about this before I read my next scripture. You, you can't separate the cross and the grave. You just can't separate the cross and the grave. The cross was necessary, but without the tomb, it wasn't complete. I said without the tomb, it wasn't complete. Why? Because Jesus not only died in the tomb, He rose in the tomb. He came out of the tomb, right? Amen. That's where resurrection happened. And so we see that it's so necessary. And that's what Paul's giving the picture of in Romans 6. He's saying just like Jesus died and was buried. But how many know he didn't stay there? Three days later, we're not going to hold you under for three days. But three days later, he came up out of the water. I mean, he came up out of that tomb and he had new life, resurrected life. The Bible says that he could eat fish and walk through walls. People could touch him, but yet he could walk on water. I mean, it was amazing, right? He could go up into the clouds. He could do all these. So we see that picture. And so it, it, it wasn't complete. And so when Jesus on the cross said it is finished, what he meant was it represented everything under the old covenant. That was finished. He had completed it. And then he could die and the new covenant would begin through resurrection. Aren't you glad for resurrection life? Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 3, he also gives another picture. And uh, again, skipping around through scripture a little bit. Let me just do that. And he says this in Chapter 3, verse 21, he says, and he said, no, he's preaching again, and he's right in the middle of the sentence, so we're, we're mid-sentence here. And he said that we were sometime, before we knew Jesus, we were disobedient. He's talking to the church there, and he's saying, before you knew Jesus, you were disobedient. 
uh, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared within a few. With, there was just a few people doing that. Of course, Noah and his sons and their wives. That is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth now also save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh or dirt on your body, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the grave is both the death and the resurrected life that the believer, believers enter into. Is that right? Amen. So we see that. And finally, hurrying up here, and that is, this is an eight-week course, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. This it, it, is huge. So, so, and that is, not only do we have death and burial, but then we have new life. And that's the good thing about this, is that Jesus gives us new life. Even though we talk about Jesus' death on the cross, we talk about death, burial, and resurrection, we talk about the death of water baptism, but how many know in the end, the end game is new life. The story really begins right here. New life. We take on His name. It's about His name. We become His disciples. We take on a new person. New, it's Jesus, right? The new man, that new life. In John chapter 3, and, and as He said this, that we've got to be born of the water, and of the Spirit. That's what Jesus told us. And so water baptism is what Jesus told us to do. He said that we need to be baptized and repent and be baptized. And John the Baptist preached it and all the apostles did it and preached it. And so really, let me just say this, that in its real practice, and the real practice of baptism, that it is immersing ourselves into the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It is this willfully and voluntarily uh, immersing ourselves, not just in water, but what we're doing is we're immersing ourselves into Jesus Christ. So you trade your identity for that of Jesus. And so one of the neat things that happens is, is that Jesus is the new man that we become. Amen? I know you know all this, but it's okay to say amen because those that are listening online know there's more people in the room. But Jesus is the new man. It's not me. I don't become a better me. I died with Christ. That's what it means. I am crucified with Christ. This old me, this me, this, everything that I tried to do, my holiness and righteousness and all my goodness, that's gone. Evil desires, that's gone. Now I take on Him, right? I am baptized into Him, into Jesus. And now this is what I do. I walk in by the power of the Holy Spirit. I walk in His nature, His strength, His joy, His goodness, His holiness, His righteousness. Come on. We've been pre preaching about the last few weeks about good works. How many know it's His good works? Amen? It's His glory, right? Amen. And so that's what it is. And this is what it means to receive Jesus Christ. It's, it, this is God's will for our lives. And so this is about receiving Jesus. And so I want to just say this, that baptism is the distinction of the Christian faith. It really is. Because it, it, it is what separates you from sin. It separates you from death and this world. But also it separates you unto God, His righteousness, and eternity. That's what it does. And so it is the distinction of the Christian faith. Someone said, no, it's whether I go to this church or that denomination or, or whether I do, do this or I, or I speak in tongues or I do that or do this. How many know that's not the distinction of the Christian faith? Baptism is the distinction of the Christian faith. Ask any missionary that'll tell you. Anyone can raise their hand, maybe in another country, uh, just about receiving Jesus as another God. They'll lift their hand, they'll say, Yes, I'll put him on my little bracelet, and my, my, another, I'll put him on the wall with my other gods, and I'll put him on there. But the moment you start talking about being baptized, the moment you start saying that you need to be separate unto God, and you need to forsake everything else, and he alone is your only God. 
How many know baptism, you're saying and acknowledging that Jesus is both Lord and Christ? Amen. And so when you do that, and so we don't need to talk to people about baptism like, oh yeah, our church does it, you can get wet if you want to, I mean, it's up to you, you know, if you want to think about it for 20 years, you can. (laughs) I mean, this is the distinction of the Christian faith. Repent and be baptized. That's what separated them from that day. Not just them speaking in other languages. That was unique and bizarre. But what really separated them was now I'm identifying with the Son of the living God. Now I'm saying that Jesus is the only way, the only life, and the only truth. Now I'm saying He alone is God. Beside Him there is none other. I give my life completely to Him. You're saying that heaven exists. You're saying that God is real. You're saying that Jesus really came and that Jesus is your Lord and your Messiah. Amen. Is that right? So it's really important, isn't it? Amen. You thought it was just about getting wet. It's really important. Amen. And so I want to just bring these out. And in closing, to be baptized in Christ, really into Jesus, shows an intention to become a follower of Jesus. And we don't really understand that in this culture as much as they did back then. And we still need to. And preach it this way. So to receive Jesus means you accept Him. You accept who He is. You accept what He asks you to do. And you will follow Him. And you will be His convert. That's what it means. You are His disciple. You are His convert. So that's why it's important. In order to be a disciple of Jesus, you must be baptized in His name. Does everybody follow that? Well, that's what our church does. No, no, that, that's not, 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 it's not about what your church does. It's the fact that now you are belonging to Him. He is your God. You are His child. Come on, somebody. He is your master. You are His servant. He is your teacher. You are His student. You submit your life to Him. See, every other culture gets this. (laughs) We have a hard time with this. We don't understand. When you are a disciple of somebody, that means you follow them. So in other words, you get the same haircut. You you wear the same clothes. You live in the same house. You live like they did. You do everything. You follow their teachings right to the very period. Is that right? And so what you're saying is in water baptism is that Jesus is not just my Savior. Now He's my Lord. I'm being baptized into Him. That's why Paul had to deal with this. And he said, some of you are saying you're being baptized in the name of Apollos. You're being baptized in the name of... Some people are baptized in the name of dead saints. And so what they do is they follow those saints. How many know they're a disciple of that saint? But I'm baptized in Jesus' name because he, I'm his disciple. He's my master. He's my Lord. He's my God. He's the one I worship. If I, if I was to be baptized in the name of somebody else, I would worship them. Right? I would be that simple, isn't it? I, I think I'm just oversimplifying. So the Bible says in Matthew 28, it said, We're going to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Also, it says this in Mark's gospel that we were to do this. And it said that in his name that we would cast out devils, and in his name that we would heal the sick, in his name we would receive the Holy Spirit, we'd speak in new tongues. And, and when Jesus said that in Matthew 28, he said, name singular, in the name. Not in the names of the Father. He said in the name, singular. And so that's what Paul, Peter preached in Acts 2. He said in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Father. How many know the Father revealed His name? Jesus is the name of the Father. I don't get to I'm go down this road, but you know what I'm saying. 
That's, that could be for another next week's lesson. But anyways, so, and then we see this in Luke's gospel. And the Bible says that repentance and remission of sins. Jesus said this. Repentance and remissions of sins. Again, together, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations. That was the great commission in Luke. Amen. And so why are we baptized in His name? Number one, because there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is in the name of Jesus. I don't get salvation in any other name but the name of Jesus. Come on. In, in the Old Testament, he was, he was Yahweh. In the Old Testament, he was God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. But in the New Testament, God revealed his name. He came in man in the form of flesh, and he came with a name. His name is Jesus. Amen. And the Bible says that the angel came to Mary and said, Call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Amen. And that's what it means. That's also he is the Christ. He, we're not waiting for a Messiah to come. He is the Messiah. And the name of the Messiah is Jesus. Yahshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. That, that just clear. Amen. And so that's why we're baptized in the name of Jesus. And also in Philippians it says there's no other name. God exalted that name high. That name is exalted above every other name. I wouldn't baptize in the name of a church. I wouldn't baptize in the name of some dead saint. Because there's no other name that's higher than the name of Jesus. His name is above principalities and powers. His name is greater than death. His, greater, his name is greater than sickness and disease. And how many know, if I'm being saved from sin, sickness, and death, how many know I need the name that's above those things, amen, because I'm being baptized in that name, amen? Saying that, look, I'm not being baptized in just the name of a God. I'm being baptized in the name of every God, everything in heaven and earth and under the earth, in the name of Jesus. I felt some oil on that one. And so, so let me just say this in closing. Jesus is both Lord and Savior. I believe that by the resurrection. The resurrection. He is both Lord and Savior by the resurrection. And so your act of faith in, in, in baptism recognizes that He is the Christ and declares that he, you declare that He is Lord and your Savior. He's your Lord and He's your Savior. So you recognize that He is the Messiah, that He is the Savior of the world, but then you say that He is my God. And how many know what happened to Doubting Thomas? We call him Doubting Thomas. Amen. One of the greatest missionaries in, in, uh, in, in, in uh, India. But one of the things, what did he say? He said, I, I, I touched his hand. I touched his side. And what did he say? He fell down and he said, my Lord and my God. Amen. And that's what happens. When we're, we repent of our sins and baptize and, and, and we're saying, you are my Lord and you are my God. I'm just simply recognizing what heaven recognizes already. Amen. What Jesus came to declare, what Jesus was all about, what the disciples uh, declared, what they wrote about, what they died for, was this gospel right here, is that Jesus is Lord and Christ. Can you say amen? Let's stand on our feet today. You know, the Bible says and makes it clear, we could go into this, and man, I went a long time, but we don't get baptized into a church, we don't get baptized into somebody's name, we don't get baptized into affiliation or group. We get baptized into Jesus. But the Bible says that we're part of the body of Christ. You enter into the family of God. And how many of you know whether you like it or not, you can't choose your family. Amen. And so we come into the family of God. And you, you come into the church. Someone said, well, I took the class, Brother Matt. I'm a member of the church. No. One of the things we say in our growth track, the very first lesson, is this is that every member of our church needs to be a member of Christ first. 
Amen. We, we have no problem with people coming and visiting and having questions and just checking out Jesus and wondering and asking who he is and just, just coming to, to learn about God. We have no problem with that. But if you want to be a member, how many know we're members of Christ first? Amen. And we're members of one another second. Amen. And so that's so wonderful because that's the church. No matter where you go all over the world, and that joins you to the church Amen of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for that. And so just to recap, man's disobedience brought sin and sickness and death. But what happened at the cross, Jesus, the salvation that Jesus brought, he came and he died. The Bible says he was buried and he rose again. He raised to newness of life, the Bible says. So we need, to, we need forgiveness. We need healing. We need eternal life. And so Jesus offers that. How many believe that? And Jesus offers that. And so what do we need to do? We need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We need to receive Him by repenting of our sins and being baptized in water. Amen. And that takes faith, that takes humility, and it takes obedience. Someone said, well, I, I, I want to do everything God wants me to do. How many know one of the first things that we do is obey? He said that we need to come and repent and be baptized. One of the first things we do, I want to obey God. I want to obey Christ. I want to obey Him so much. Amen. That I want to do everything. As Jesus said, this is necessary to fulfill righteousness. Amen. And so the waters of baptism, amen, the waters of purification, the water of separation, and the water of forgiveness. Today, if you're listening, and maybe you don't know, but do you believe in Jesus with all your heart? Do you believe that He came 2,000 years ago as a whole plan of God to rescue you? I mean, it was from the beginning of your life, God had a plan to rescue you from sin, sickness, and ultimately eternal death. His, his plan of rescue is so amazing, so overwhelming, but it's in Jesus Christ. Someone said, I, I guess I can get to heaven so many different ways. Jesus made it clear that there's only one way into heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. You've got to come through the door called the cross. Amen. Receive what Jesus did. Not just believe in Jesus, but receive what he did at Calvary. And you yourself began to take on and say, Lord, I receive you. I accept you. And now I accept what I need to do. I need to repent and be baptized so that I can be clean and that I can be whole again. And I can have this eternal relationship with God, my Father, my Creator, the one that loved me from the very beginning. Aren't you glad that he never stopped loving us? He, he never stopped. That passion that he had in the garden, he has it today for you. Will you repent of your sin and just say, I want to forsake my sin. I don't want to just pet it. And I just want to just say, I'm sorry. I really want to change. I forsake my sin. I leave it behind. And I say today, Lord, I want to follow you all my days of my life. You are my Lord. You are my God. You are my righteousness. You are my holiness. Lord, without you, I can do nothing. Amen. Today, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for... Lord, your great plan of salvation, as Paul said, your great and wonderful, overwhelming plan of salvation for us, Lord. God, we are, without you, we're lost. Before you, we were just complete mess. We were broken. We were impure. We were, we were lost, God. But Lord, I thank you that you loved us so much that you brought somebody along to tell us the gospel, to tell us the truth, to tell us that liberating gospel that you loved us from the very beginning and had a plan to rescue us all along. It was through the cross, through the, through the tomb, and through your resurrection, Lord. I thank you, God, today. I receive what you did at Calvary. I receive what you did at the tomb. I receive what you do, Lord, through your resurrection power, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, today I can call you my Lord, my friend, my Savior, because of what Jesus did. In Jesus' name, amen.